Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Well, this is part two of our series on essentials. Um, As I shared last week, a lot of times when we hear the idea of essentials, in my history, it's been these are the things you need to believe, but I want it to be more these are the things that we need to become. Because we can believe a lot of things that are true and it not affect our lives or change our lives. And Jesus is about changing our lives so that our lives can be effective in helping and changing other people's lives. And so that's why we are going through this series. We are going to go through this more in depth on our midweeks uh, when we go through them. There is a book that has questions and answers, and every week we will go through one of those chapters. And so if you want to be a part of that, you need to sign up to get the book. And when you come, and hopefully a lot of you will, you'll need to do your homework, right? It's one of those kinds of things. I know some of you are like, I don't like that kind of stuff. Come on, get with it. You know, commitment, just one you know, week. It's not a lot. It's not like 10 pages. It's like one page, you fill out some things, answer it. And the reason we are going through this and the reason we went through the Surprise the World series is because it is our desire to effectively change our world by representing Jesus. And so to do that, we have to have the same mindset, we have to have the heart, we have to have the mission that he's given to us, the great commission. And so those are the things that we're wanting to continue in following in. And so we are going to be going through this series, and I hope you'll sign up for the book and be a part of it. What I'm thinking right now, and I'm still mulling this over, because I don't want to be going through the book and then teaching it at the same time, because that might be a little bit redundant, but I do want to be redundant in this, and I do want to go over it again, and I think it will be different when we go through it together in the book than when I'm just speaking on these things. So we probably won't start the book until I finish the series, which would be in March, Um, but we are probably going to start midweeks before that and go through something before we finish this series, just to let you know. But I really want to hype this up. I want to drum this up and hopefully get us all involved and on board with doing some of these things. They're not difficult, but it does take us stepping out sometimes of our comfort zone. And so 
Let's pause and let's pray that God would do that with us this morning. Father, it is our desire that our time spent here would be an opportunity for you to speak into our lives, Lord, to give us insight, Father, into how you work, and more importantly, Lord, how we can work with you. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for the willingness to gather together and the desire to hear these things and things like this from Scripture, Lord, that direct us, that encourage us, that uh, help change us. And I pray that would happen here this morning, Lord, that it would be a motivation for us to be closer to you and more like you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Essentials Part 2, His Way. Last week, we talked about what it meant to be missional. We talked about the word apostle is one who is sent. The word mission is actually from the Latin missio, which also means sending. And this whole idea of missional is people that God sends, right? Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Go, therefore, make disciples. There is this movement from Christ to the church, to the world that is supposed to be continuing. And and so as we have this idea that God is a God who sends in our mind, we want to now start talking about incarnational. And this is how we are sent. This is representing how we need to look when we are sent. And this morning I'm going to talk about siblings, a marriage proposal, spit, slam, and kick it, Trip to New York, okay? So, if you have siblings, you know that there is a dynamic and a relationship that you have with your siblings that's very unique. You're usually close. It might not always be good, right? There might be friction, but there's a closeness that's there. I have a stepbrother, but he's my brother, and we've grown up together, and I feel comfortable harassing him whenever I I need to, and being honest with him. And I can have conversations with him that I might not have with some other people just because of who he is. He is that close to me. And the word incarnation actually refers to the act of God entering into the created world as the man, Jesus of Nazareth. And although the word isn't found in Scripture... It's based on the opening words of John's gospel. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Down in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is the word tabernacle. There's one translator who said, He pitched his tent in our neighborhood. And I love the illustration. It just kind of captures the imagination. He he made his home with us. He moved into our neighborhood. And so the idea of incarnational, really incarnation literally means in the flesh. That's what the word means. And so this idea of being incarnational is something that we see in Christ and want to emulate in our lives. This is about God's ultimate missional participation in creation between God and humanity. Now, why would God choose to do this? 
And I got to tell you, whenever I say, why would God, I almost want to laugh. Because how, how do we understand? Why would God do this? Well, let me tell you why. As if, you know, it's kind of the hubris of that. There has to be some humility here. We don't really know why all these things, but we do have insight that God so loved the world that he sent. Right? So we know that there is this idea of sending because God cares. And when you are doing something that you care about, usually you want to be involved with it. See, when I proposed to my wife, I didn't write it down on a note and give it to someone. Hey, can you take this to Corrine and ask if she'll marry me? Right? Because in things of love, right? I didn't do that, right? In things of love, you go yourself. You want to be the one who conveys this because this is something that is important to you. And so this idea of incarnation is the idea of God showing up because this is important because he cares, and you don't send an angel, you don't send another messenger in matters of love, you have to go yourself. And we see that taking place in Christ. And just as the word became flesh in Jesus, we as his followers are to be enfleshed in every culture and present with those to whom God is sending us. We need to show up just as God has shown up for us. And if God's central way of reaching the world was to incarnate himself in Jesus, then our way of reaching the world should be similar. It should be fleshing this out, showing up, being present. And because God so loved the world... That is our example. In fact, 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So again, here is the example. This is what he did. This is what we do. This is how he did it. This is how we are supposed to do it. And it's important that we understand that this is boots to pavement kind of a thing. This is involvement. This is participation in a very deep way. Peter tells us, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Again, following in his steps, following this example and this idea of called because Christ suffered and follow in his steps, there's something happening here that we're going to have to digest. There's something important about this idea of suffering and what it looked like and what he's calling us to do. Because it's a reality. If he's our example on what we are to do, he is also our example in the way we are to do it. And it is clearly in love. Now, open up to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us this great expanse of who Jesus is, how he showed up, and how he acts. And Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I just want to pause and reiterate that Paul talks more about unity in his epistles than he talks about sanctification or justification combined. Unity is at the heart of what Paul is trying to convey to the churches throughout the Scripture. Just something to keep in mind because I think we lose sight of that. And he's saying if we have these things in mind, being like-minded, complete this joy. Verse 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We could stop there and just end, right? Okay, bye, go on. What would happen if we did nothing out of vain conceit? Nothing out of our own ambition. Can you imagine all the arguments that would just disappear? Imagine that in our relationships. Okay, just imagine it. It's like, but what about, there you go, there goes with that ambition. Okay, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we like to focus on this exalted, a name above all names, every knee would bow, but this only happens because he humbled himself. God exalted him because he did not exalt himself, but gave himself for others. And as it says... In verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Again, we're talking about incarnation. He showed up in a way that we could relate to, a way that we could understand, a way that we could connect to. So that now we could say, okay, how does God feel? Well, let's look at Jesus. What does God think when he encounters someone caught in adultery? Well, let's look at John chapter 4 and see what God does. He doesn't condemn, right? How does God think about these? And now we have the example of Christ that we can follow. As we've been talking about developing the curriculum for the children and when we are going over the things that are important, the number one thing that was important to me is that we teach our children that God looks like Jesus. Right? That's what incarnation is all about. 
This is what we want to understand. An incarnational ministry must involve living close with others. We can't demonstrate God's love at a distance or by sending someone else. We love you, so here you go. No, we have to be actively involved. And just as Jesus moved into the neighborhood, we have to do the same thing. And sometimes it might be literally moving if you're going to be involved with a group of people. If you're, you know, wanting to go help people in Mexico, Haiti or something, sometimes you got to go and live there if you're going to be that involved. But at least the minimum requirement is to create time and space where you can be actively involved with these people that you care about who you're trying to communicate to. You're trying to help them connect to God. And and to do that, you have to be in their lives. You have to be close enough to have that kind of contact. And it requires us intentionally developing that space. Last night, I went with my friend Brian. Many of you know him. He's a poet. And they were going to do a podcast, and they do a video, a YouTube video, uh, about different poets. And so he asked me to go with him because he and I are starting a podcast and we're kind of getting some ideas and things that we're doing. And so he met with these two guys. Um, it was Daniel and Kua Dave is his name. And these guys are all about spoken word. I mean, they are just talking about the history of it. They're talking about different things. And so their terminology that they're using, it's foreign to me, right? They're saying, yeah, when did he spit, right? Oh, yeah, remember that slam? Oh, yeah, they kick it, right? It sounds like a WWE wrestling thing to me, right? It's like this, but these are all terminology. Spit is like, when did he speak out the poetry? And slam is is kind of a competition that they have. And all these terminologies, but they're in this, and so they're able to communicate to one another with this language because it belongs to them. Me, I was just like, yo, you know... (laughs) Say word. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not my language. I, I'm not in that realm. And so they're talking, I'm understanding, but you could tell they're in a different place than I am. They're connected to one another. And it was a great time. I mean, it actually ended up being kind of late. We didn't get started till about 1130. We were supposed to start at nine. So we didn't get done till like 130. And, and I thought I'd be home by 11, you know, but it was, it worked out to be a great time. And, and as they started, Brian shared uh, one of his spoken word things and they, they talked about it. They talked about a uh, thread and the word, how they are connected. What does this mean? These lines that are in there. And it was a great time and a great discussion as time went on and afterwards I got to talk to one of the guys and just find out a little bit more about him, find out that he used to go to a church, but he really didn't like the way the church treated him and other people, that the church was a little bit too small for the world he lived in, not that it was a small church, it was actually a large church. And I got to share some things that were a part of my realm. Right? This is, oh, this is now my neighborhood. I can talk to you here. Right? And, and I don't have to spit and I don't have to slam and I don't have to kick it. I, I can just talk to you about the things that are meaningful 
and maybe talk to you about where you're at. And so even though this person's in a different neighborhood and the things that they're involved in, we're still neighbors and I'm still able to communicate. And we had a great conversation and we're going to get together again and we're going to have more conversations. And and this is only possible because I went with my friend Brian, who's friends with these guys, and we were able to kick it in their garage and spit out some words. That's right. I'm getting the lingo now. They're speaking the same language because they have the same interests. There is a shared identity that leads to genuine connection, and that's the key word is genuine. That was one of the things this one guy mentioned to me is, I have a hard time when I don't feel that it's genuine, when it's real, when it's a show, when you're having ulterior motives. You care more about building your church than you do about the people, those kinds of things, right? And this can happen, this development of genuine relationships over so many things with them it was over spoken word it can be with music it could be with sports how about those rams right it could be about food got your attention now right it could be about anything that you have genuine interest in that connects you with somebody else And you show up in that neighborhood and you have communication about things that are important. And even though they might be things about spoken word or about sports, you never know when the neighborhood starts talking, just like it did last night or early this morning. And pretty soon we're having a half-hour discussion about pretty heavy things and a great time. But it starts with something in common. It starts with being genuinely caring. It starts with a relationship. And that's what he says in verse 5 here. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset of Christ. What was that mindset? To build them up, to make them more, to not try and make yourself more, but to help build them up. The relationships are real. They're tangible. They're involved. They're relationships, not acquaintances. Relationships take time, take development. But there's more in this example of Christ. There is the willingness to relinquish our desires and interest in the service of others. There is the attitude of sacrifice, which again goes back to the suffering of Christ that we saw in 1 Peter, that we see throughout who Jesus is. Remember in John 20, 21, when it says, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Last week we talked about the sending, but this week we need to look at the as, right? As the Father. As, in some translations, will be just as, or it means like or similar to. In this way, that's the way you are to do it. And Jesus was involved. He was present. He was physically present. 
who was Jesus sent to and how was he sent? Well, he was sent to everybody. There was the common people, right? It was everyone from the poor to the tax collectors who were pretty wealthy, but they were thieves. There was the Samaritans who were the outcasts. There's the, you know, blue-collar labor fishermen. I guess that's a stretch, you know. But there's everybody. He was there present to speak to them, to be involved with them, to reach to any who was hungry to hear about God, to hear about love, to hear about forgiveness, to hear about acceptance, to have their shame removed, to be set free so that they could live in relationship with God without condemnation. And that was whoever had ears to hear. And so in the incarnation of Christ, God reveals himself as the one who is with and for his creation. He is the one who shows up at their doorstep and wants to come and eat with them, right? To speak of incarnation missionally is to link who Jesus was, what he did, and how he did it in one event that defines all of it, what it means to be Christian, right? Because the whole idea of being Christian is like Christ. And this is what he did. So how does this flesh out? Like that flesh out incarnation? That's intentional. I had to mention it because it looked like you guys missed it. How does this flesh out? How does this show up? It, it might sound simple, but it really is all about relationships. It's about getting close enough to people to listen, getting close enough to people to understand their hopes, their fears, their concerns, It's about being involved with people's lives so that you actually know them and they actually know you, right? One of the things that has brought me close to people who I consider close friends is openness. They know all my junk, all the stuff I'm going through, and I know the stuff that they're going through, and we still are friends, Right? It's not like, oh, you did that? Oh, and then you go and tell everyone else, you know what Michael did. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, I just had to pick on it. <laughs> you see, friends are actually there in person and present and involved and engaged. And it opens up those things so that you can actually feel that they care about you, know that they're concerned about you who they are, where they are. But Jesus takes it a step further. It's not just about being present. It's how we're present. If I were to ask you, who wants to go to New York? It might be raise your hands, right? Okay, but now let me ask you, who wants to go to New York to babysit an infant? Okay, a few people. (laughs) Now, here it is. Who wants to go to New York to babysit an infant, but you have to pay your own way? Okay. See, if I asked you that, 
you would, a lot of you would say, yeah, I'm all for New York. Go, no, I don't want to babysit. Oh, I got to pay my way and babysit? No, if I want to go to New York, I want to go sightseeing. I want to go doing these things. And I've been to New York with a baby, and New York isn't really baby-friendly. At least some of those restaurants, you, there's no room for strollers there and stuff like that. But you see, if I'm taking him, I'll go anywhere. That's my grandson, if you don't know. And this is just an opportunity for me to show his picture. You see, motive means so much. We are willing to go to New York to babysit him because we love him, because we love our kids, because we want to be present for them. And motive is really at the heart of all this incarnation. It comes down to do you want to? Do you care enough to do this even though it costs you? Even though it's going to cost you Airbnb and a plane ticket and the other things. Now, you'll have a great time. It'll be amazing. But it's going to cost you. And the only ones who are going to go are the ones who really want to go. The ones who say, I, I can't imagine not going. I can't imagine not experiencing this with you. It's enveloping what you do and who you are. There's a huge difference between want to and have to. And people can sense the difference. Do you want to be friends or do you have to? Am I a notch on your belt? Am I a statistic? Am I a project that I will rehearse a speech and give to you so that you can join my team? Or will I be there and have dialogue with you and cry with you and laugh with you and eat with you and spit and slam and kick it with you? Because we are in this. And people know the difference. The gospel tells us that Jesus was a friend of sinners, a friend that people would ask him to go and eat with their friends. It's so interesting because the people who were not like Jesus liked Jesus. Right? There's something whimsical about this holiness. There's something that is, you know, titillating in who he is and, and how he presents things that makes people curious. And, and he wants to be there. And can you imagine Jesus in this group of people that would not be seen in a religious environment, laughing together, eating together, kicking it together, talking together? And them hanging on every word. Why? Because he's here. He's present. He's engaging. He knows us. He's listening to us. He's speaking to us where we are. And he's not speaking down to us. He's humbling himself and esteeming us more important than himself. He's thinking of us like you think of your grandbaby. I think the world of my grandbabies. No wonder they're drawn to him. 
See, this is incarnational. This is what it is like. That won't happen if we have a holier-than-thou attitude. It won't happen if we think that this gospel, this good news, is something that we have to sell. This only happens when we really care and we want to see good in the life of people. And to see good, sometimes you have to step close to their bad. And you have to hear it, and you have to feel it, and you have to hurt with them. And it's going to require sacrifice, and there's no other way to say it. We want to see the the gospel go forward, but we don't want to pay the cost. No, we'll send somebody. We'll, We'll send a missionary. We'll hire a pastor. We'll have someone do it, and it's incarnational. It's got to be fleshed out with you, with me. It has to show up. Boots to pavement. We have to make it happen. We have to genuinely be involved with these things. We have to ask ourselves, are we in close proximity to the people that we want to see connected to God? Or are we in here and there out there? What is our proximity to them? Do we eat with them? Do we talk with them? Do we go bowling with them if you go bowling, right? Do you go to concerts with them? Do you knit with them if you knit, right? What what is your arena that these people have in common with you? Are you being incarnationally present with the people around you? Know their language. Know their concerns. Have a a sense of what's happening. Have an ear to hear and a willingness to respond. Because if you just listen to me, but you won't step in, then it shows you don't really care. But if you hear and you draw close, that's incarnation. That's showing up. And you see, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. God showed up and said, I'm present. I want you to know I'm present. I want you to understand how I feel about you. That I am humbling myself and thinking of your needs as more important than me. You see, that's this gospel story that captures us, isn't it? That's what moves our hearts. We we hear this idea of of immense omnipotence and, and we see the the power and imagine the majesty of God and and we see Christ humbling himself and dying on a cross with purpose and intent because he loved and because he cared and it woos us and it pulls us closer to him and then we find that he is there and he is present and he is someone we can actually relate to in Christ because otherwise it's just beyond our ability. 
When I was talking to this gentleman last night, we were going over some of the things that were problematic to him. And I said, you know, I had these same struggles where I just felt like the God I believed in was too small for the world I lived in. And as I started searching Christ and seeing him, he showed up more beautiful than ever and more clearly than ever. And I just saw him smile because he knew that story. He knew that truth because God is whispering it into the hearts of everyone everywhere. It's what we long for, right? To, to be loved but not known is superficial. To be known and not loved is terrifying. But to be known and to be loved is what we all desire. And it shows up on our doorstep, in our neighborhood, in the person of Christ, and in you, and in me. Let's pray. Lord, help me to take this being sent one step further. Help me to do it as you did. And I pray that you would help us as a community who follows you, who believes in you, to be present in the lives of those around us, to care enough to step closer, to love enough to sacrifice. And Lord, our prayer is that even as you have changed our lives by being present, that you would use us to help change the lives of others as we introduce them to you. And Lord, may this be so organic and so natural. May it not be a hard sell. Might our words be seasoned with grace. Might love overflow everything that we do. Might the character of Christ guide us in all of our relationships in all of our conversations. Father, we desire to love even as you loved us. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you buy your tickets and pack your bags and move into the neighborhood people around you. May Christ be your example, laid his life down for you, and follow it as you lay your life down for those around you. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. 
You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.